Welcome to the Become Who You Are podcast, the production of the John Paul II Renewal Center. I'm Jack Rigert, your host. I'm excited to be here. This is Tuesday night in the Smith Home, a scripture meditation for Sunday, May 22nd, 2022. Before I get into this, I just give you a little intro on this Tuesday night in the Smith Home. The reason behind this is is simple. My heart goes out to all the families, all the people I meet, all the young people, especially today, growing up in this very twisted, distorted, and toxic culture. They've been repeatedly lied to. We all have about the very basics concerning the meaning of marriage, the family, God Himself, what authentic love is, the true meaning of sex and sexuality, so much more. This has left many people and families anxious depressed, unhappy. You know, many are feeling the effects of what is amounted to a full-blown crisis in the family. And on top of divorce and abortion and euthanasia, families are dealing with the widespread use of pornography, the confusion and morass surrounding same-sex marriage, these gender ideologies. We're bombarded by these mongers in the government, the rabid vitriol of those who, who just demand to murder their own children. You know, it's this literally this neo-Marxism that's invaded our schools and taken away the innocence of our children. Well, you know, it's gotten to the point where many parents I know and many people that I know I've simply thrown up their hands. It seems like we're bombarded on too many sides, often poorly catechized themselves. You're feeling, you know, ill-equipped, right, to deal with all of these issues at home or anywhere at the workplace. Parents especially have become paralyzed and feel threatened as the culture labels them bigots or accuses them for hatred for just trying to pass on the faith to their kids. So how do we do this, right? In many cases, this has resulted in a crisis of faith even within the church. It doesn't have to be this way. You know, we can take back our our hearts and our families. It all starts with the Gospels. It starts with with this what's called this enrichment of faith, getting back to our roots. And and it's going to be an exciting Gospel to unpack today, right? In spite of the many challenges facing families today, don't think it's lost. You know, we have to leapfrog this toxic culture that our children are steeped in, our, our, our families are steeped in. We have to rename our, re-aim our hearts and our minds and all that's true, good, and beautiful, and especially the beauty of love. So the Tuesday nights in the Smith Home, what is that all about? Look, at it's an idea I've been sharing with different people, especially parents, uh, grandparents, uh, neighbors. And, and the feedback and the thanks I've received over the years by just implementing this simple plan in your home has been uplifting and inspirational through the years. It, it, you know, Literally, people say it changed their lives. What is it? It's just bringing Christ into the center of the family. So look, at I'm going to put this in the show notes. You can read more about it. But what you do basically is pick a night, any night of the week, that you can be reasonably be assured that the family or your friends are going to get together. I don't care if you're single, married, you have 20 kids, you don't have any kids, invite some neighbors over. Invite one person over. Sit there by yourself with a, with a glass of wine. Make it a special night. Make a nice dinner. Call it Tuesday night at the Smith home, pick out any night you want. It's just some night before the upcoming Sunday uh, uh, mass, right? So you you will proclaim some scriptures that will be in your heart and mind already. No cell phones, no television. You know, dinner and conversation time. We owe this to ourselves, this peace that you're going to hear in the gospel that Christ wants to give us. And so anyways, you read the gospel ahead of time. And and you, this is Lectio Divina where you read it, you meditate on it, you pray on it, and, and then you 
contemplate what God is telling you. So you pick a phrase or a couple of words out of there. And then when, when you get everybody together for dinner, you just say, you know, I read the gospel for this coming Sunday, guys. And Jesus said this. What do you think Jesus meant when he said this? You don't have to read the whole gospel if you don't want to, but you already have. You've already put this on your heart. Okay, you get the idea. So we're going to get in to today's scripture reading, which is from John uh, chapter 14, verses 23 to 29, if you want to grab your, your Bibles. Hey, God bless you. Buckle up. Get ready for today's episode. The gospel I'm going to read today from John 14, verses 23 to 29. Let me just give you a little setup. The gospel takes place just after the Last Supper. Judas uh, just went out, and he's going to betray Jesus, of course. He left Jesus and the other disciples in the upper room. These chapters in the Gospel of John are incredibly rich before and after. I mean, it's amazing stuff. So I'm just going to focus, of course, just on Sunday's uh, Gospel reading. And Jesus is preparing the apostles for what's going to take place. You know, he's he's going he's to go that night to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to pray in there. He's going to sweat blood. You know, his passion, crucifixion, his death, his resurrection is coming over the next few days. Huh? So Jesus says to his disciples, whoever loves me will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Yet the word you hear is not mine, but that of the father who sent me. I have told you this while I am with you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me tell you, I am going away and I will come back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe the gospel of the Lord. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You know, today, and this is meditation, um, part of it's from Carol Hauslander. If you get the Magnificat, there's a meditation every day after the scripture readings. It's just so beautiful. Um, but, but she goes on to say this. Too many anxious Christians, and she wrote this in 1954. I mean, things have accelerated since then, but you know the story that's this evil that's been coming down to us has been happening for a while here. Again, do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. She said, too many anxious Christians today think that their efforts to preach and teach and enter into outward activities can do more to save the world than the surrender of their souls to God to become Christ bearers. They believe that they can do more than Our Lady did, our Blessed Mother, and they have not time to stop to consider the absurdity of this. And what she's saying is so true. You know, you cannot give what you don't have. You know, Jesus wants you to receive him first. That's what we do with Lectio Divina, huh? So we read the gospel. We're meditating, so we're picking out some phrase, some words that Jesus said. And here it's, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now I want to pray to, to God. You know, I'm going to ask him questions. You know, you know, my heart is troubled. Here's what's going on in my life. And allow God to come into your heart. You'll see this will really change you. And then later on, we're going to contemplate that. We're just going to sit in silence. So that's the idea. So Jesus comes in and he says, peace be with you. He wants to calm you down. So here, you know, kind of just take a deep breath. We want to get into this gospel. 
you know, we fear today, don't we, that the world is going on, you're going to hurl itself into disaster, and it might do be the way it's going right now. But Jesus still comes in and says, peace with you, because he sees the vision. You know, he already won the battle. This accelerating nervousness, this anxiousness, we're all feeling that. And we, we say, uh, you know, Christ's kingdom may be defeated. You know, the church is going down. This Well, it's not so. You know, Christ has given us his word that he's going to be with us, with his little flock until the end of the world. When you're feeling oppression, you know, that's not from God. When you're feeling down, that's not from God. God wants you to open to him, right? In this Paschal mystery, his passion, death, and resurrection. Don't forget the resurrection, that that the cross and the crucifixion, that, that he conquered sin and death. The power he rose again, and when we die with him to our sins and and to uh, to evil itself, we're going to rise with Christ. Even in this life, we begin this process. You know, eternity doesn't mean tomorrow. Eternity means forever. You're an eternal human being, an eternal son or daughter of God, here for all eternity, and he's calling you into the story. You know, the power of Christ's victory over sin and death is poured out to us. So that's why he says, do not be, do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You know, today it's important to remember that in a sense, just like Adam and Eve, we all stand at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we must decide. So this is an old story, you know, uh, but it comes down to us through the years, and we're all free to choose. This is what you're seeing right now, you know, to turn into God or walk away. You know, and, and we, we all stand at the tree, and you can see it now with this vitriol, with these abortion, with the Roe versus Wade. These people, you could just see with, in their eyes and in their in, in their actions and just spitting this vitriol out, and they demand to kill their own children. Why don't they see that, right? Well, because we stand at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and when we turn away from God, we actually, darkness comes into our hearts. We really lose our, our consciousness, get darkened. You just watch for this, you know. You don't take my word for it, because in, in, what did Satan say? What did the serpent say? It, you know, you can walk away from God, and you will be like gods who know what is good and what is evil. And that's what you're seeing today. You know, it's really only if you turn to God that you even understand the difference between good and evil. You know, pretty soon the darkness comes in, and uh, and and that's what you're seeing in the culture. You know, I've lived through some crazy times, and I'm a student of history, and I've never seen this choice between good and evil, between God and Satan, playing out as clearly as it is today. You know, people are taking sides again on this. The abortion debates. It's just so clear here. You know, I've seen people screaming, red face, vitriol spewing from their mouths, you know, at abortion clinics when I'm just praying the rosary. And and then, of course, you got other people waving at you, you know, but you can see the clear split here. You know, it's not rational to take human life. And it's not rational to take your own child's life. But now they're intimidating, uh, sowing fear and hatred, even trying to intimidate the Supreme Court justices. You know, make no mistake, watch them in, in news clips and stuff. This is a spiritual battle, one that takes place on the battlefield of each human heart. So our heart goes out to them. These are our brothers and sisters. You know, we pray that they come back into the light. This is a troubled world in, in, in many ways. And, and the and the way to counter that is this enrichment of faith. You know, take this these scriptures in deeply and then share them, right? So then the second phrase that I want to uh, just talk about quickly here is the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. Now, this is this is the apostles. This is coming into the church, of course, and this is that church teaching that's coming down to us. But there's also another side of this, that, that this Holy Spirit is also given to us. 
This is really a powerful thing, and this is why we want to sit in silence. When you don't sit in silence, you're not inviting God to come into your heart and allowing him to give you that peace so that you can encounter God in your own heart. You know, however dark our days seem to be for Christianity and in this battle, they're not so dark, Carol Hauslander said, as the night following the crucifixion, which uh, must have seen to the apostles. Can you imagine the apostles? For that night, Christ had already prepared them. He told them to wait then, right? to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. He told them that he was going away, that they would no longer see him. They wouldn't know the consolation of his presence with them, but that it was better still that he should go away. And that's the condition for the coming of the Holy Spirit through whom he would live on in them and and where he was going. So in essence, Jesus is going to come back. And, and, and I've unpacked this in other places, but just to get a feel for this, Jesus is going back to the Father. And what proceeds from the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. This is right in our creed. So the Holy, as, the, as, as Jesus lifts up and goes back to the Father, what happens, right? What's proceeding from the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says later on in the Gospel of John that the Holy Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you, and you'll be filled with the spirit of life. So the apostles, just like modern apostles, were afraid, for, and with good cause. You know, we don't know the whole story exactly, so we walk with faith into what Jesus told us. And they, like, it, it, you know, were at the, at the foot of the cross, John was, remember, with our mother of Christ, and the rest of them scattered. They were afraid, right? And, you know, this murderous hatred of Christ's enemies pointing at them. They could be next, and we feel this sometimes, right? But Christ told them, you know, to simply wait in the city until what? Until the Holy Spirit came to them, not to run away, not to make plans of their own, not to be troubled with either their own recent failure. Remember, uh, Peter denied Christ three times. The other ones ran away. So he says, look, it, don't be troubled. I know you're going to run away. You're going to get nervous. He knew all this ahead of time. The failure of sin were weak in so many ways, right? This is, we came into a broken world. But Christ's action here is that he's going to take on the cross, his passion, death, and resurrection, is going to give us that power, and then he's going to send us the Holy Spirit. So now we have something different that, that all through history since the fall we haven't had. We wait for the comforter and that's going to heal our wounds, wash the stains from our souls, and be the joy of our life. And and so he told the apostles that, well, Christ doesn't change. See, this story is coming down to us. This is what's happening with the church and the positive faith and the Eucharist and the sacraments. We're continuing to have a choice here. You know, Christ won the war. The war's done. You know, he's defeated uh, sin and death. But each of us are coming into this world, and we have a choice. You know, this is, these are the last days. You know, certainly as I get older, I know this is going to be the last days for for me. Christ doesn't change. So this preparation for the coming of the Spirit is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. And what's that preparation? you gotta, you got to find a still quiet place. you got to enter into prayer. you got to accept the Holy Spirit into your life. we got to remain close to our Blessed Mother, who's also an image of the, of the church, and rest in her while the life of the world grew within her womb. Remember, you know, her fiat, her yes, and, and the Holy Spirit hovered above her, and she said yes, and she was literally filled with the Holy Spirit. This is her fiat. Well, we kneel next to our Blessed Mother today, and we say yes with her, right? And the Holy Spirit comes to us, and literally impregnates us with who? With Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. So let me just give you just an overview. In, and this, I think, will really, uh, I, I hope it will help. It's, it's a outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's a little meditation that I did some time back. If you want to go deeper into this, 
go to the Wednesday night audiences that we're doing every Wednesday in John Paul's Theology of the Body. It's so rich. It's so beautiful. But for now, just to get this big picture of the Spirit and why we need the Spirit. You know, in the beginning, if you read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, right in the beginning, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless, wasteland, dark, and covered, covered the abyss. So there was chaos, and the Spirit of God was moving, right? We hear this ruah, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit over the face of the waters to take chaos and, and, and bring creation out of it. And boom, like the opening scene from The Lion King, God starts to create, huh? And the Spirit is starting to create. Christ is here. You know, and, and, and so it, it, what happens? He takes clay in Genesis 2. He takes this creation, the stars, the the trees, the plant. He gets to the sixth day, and now he takes the stuff of creation, and what does he do? He said in Genesis 2, chapter 7, the Lord God formed man out of the clay and blew into his nostrils the breath, this ruah of life, and so man became a living being. See, we were different than the rest. We were blown with the spirit of divine life and and love into us. Again, I don't want to take the time to get into that story uh, any deeper than that, except that we were filled with divine life and love at that point, right? Brought it right into this that, you know, this eternal exchange of love of God himself before sin. But then we had the fall. We stood at the tree and Adam and Eve walked away from God. It was amazing, right? And humanity's disconnection then from divine life and love. We became like cut flowers disconnected from the vine. And all through scripture, through the Old Testament and into this point where, where the gospel is today, God is seeking to bring us back, huh? the lost sinful sons and daughters, like the prodigal son, back into his life. It's always a yearning by God himself, a desire to bring us back in. Well, this is the, the pinnacle of the story here, this last summer and going into the passion, death, and resurrection of God. You know, Jesus came into history to do what? God's plan of redemption and salvation. He wants to restore union and communion in, in, the, in humanity with the divine life and love that we lost. And he does this in his body. He takes our humanity, and in a way he takes up, uh, our, each one of our humanity. And he, what does he do? He unites it with divinity once more. Filled with divine life and love, then he goes to the cross and he pours himself out to us, blood, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Why? So we could take this back in, this divine life. Then I'm just going to zoom ahead just a little bit to John 20. After the resurrection then, but before Jesus ascends to the Father, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, he gives the apostles that that are in the upper room, the disciples, a little taste of what's coming on. So the door was shut in the upper room for fear of the Jews. Remember, they're all afraid. They left because Jesus was crucified. Well, this is Jesus uh, raises from the dead on Easter, and he came right through the door without opening it, right? And he stood among them. Peace be with you. Here's that peace again. This peace be with you. And we said this, he breathed on them in this ruah, received the Holy Spirit. And he's giving them that. And then he said to this, and he says, while staying with them, he charged them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. When he said, you heard from me, John baptized with water. But before many days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so what happens is Jesus is setting himself up again. Don't go anywhere. And he says this to us, don't go anywhere. Wait to be filled. And then when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you can go out. It reminds me of uh, uh, every year I go, almost every year, to uh, the Boundary Waters, a beautiful place uh, on the United States uh, border uh, with Canada. 
And for many years, I've gone canoeing with a number of friends, uh, good Catholic buddies of mine. Um, we all have our stories. It's a land of a, of a thousand pristine lakes, dense forests, open sky. We go up there for four or five days, just get into prayer and nature and the beauty, right? So it's a playground of raw nature, spacious enough that we're often the only campers on a given lake, sharing it only with the full-time residents there. You know, black bear, bald eagles, nearby wolf packs whose howls pierce that, that moonlight night as clear reminders of the beauty, power, and the imagination of the creator. All these create uh, these incredible memories we've gone up many many years I've had uh, one night in particular always stands out. It followed a great day of canoeing, fishing, hiking, and dinner uh, of the freshest fish nature has to offer. There were nine of us that year, and we were all gathered together on a big uh, smooth rock uh, outcrop overlooking this this beautiful lake, and the moon was out, the, the, uh, the sky was ex- literally exploded with stars. One man then everything was quiet, and one man began to share his amazing personal story of a life transformed by an encounter with Jesus Christ. He told about his brokenness. One, uh, he was you know divorced, and this. I mean, you know, tough stuff happens in life, right? And he just started to tell his story to another guy, but everybody was quiet and then listening. And we heard his story, and it was an amazing encounter with Christ to change his life. Then, after a short period of silence, spontaneously, another voice, another story, and then another one. And then another one. And we listen to these dreams, failures, joys, and hardships of, 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 of six different men that night of the nine of us. And finally, to a man, we talked about an encounter then with Christ that gave each one of us a purpose and a direction for our, our, our lives. You know, I couldn't help be struck as we all were that despite all the different paths that had led each of us to that smooth outcrop overlooking the lake that night, it was this encounter that defined us all. The spirit just that night, it was amazing as the stars were out and these guys were telling their story, the Holy Spirit just hovered over those waters on that lake and it fell right on top of us, just like at the Pentecost. You know, it, you know, just filling our own hearts, we all knew that the Spirit had taken uh, place and then there was an encounter with the Holy Spirit together, but it also filled each one of our hearts. So I'll just leave it with this. You know, this is a this is not brain surgery, is it? We got to enter into prayer. Again, Lectio Divina, we read the gospel, we meditate on a couple of words, we pray, we ask God, you know, God, you know, what did you mean by this? Or, you know, what this is what's going on in my heart. And then you have to sit in silence. It's very difficult to do at first, but you learn how to do it and you'll find that peace. You'll find this encounter with Christ in your own heart. That's what prayer does. Prayer is this is this seeking this intimacy with 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 God himself. You know, it's a cry of the heart that says, you know, I know I'm looking for something more. I want you to come into my heart. Pray to our Blessed Mother that she helps to open that crack wider and wider and wider. Sit with her, talk to her and say, Mary, help me to do this. And don't forget that prayer, it's part of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. He's going to help you to pray because we don't know how to pray. We even heard this during scripture, but the Holy Spirit will help us. Then go to confession. Go to confession and get naked before God open everything up, let all this this toxic culture and, and sin and our own broken hearts, let it start to, to drain out. It's just like an infection, right? God pierces your heart, the infection starts to drain out, and he fills that, right, with his, his own body of divine life and love. And then finally, that gets us ready for what? You know, we've taken the nuptial bath that 
that uh, the Gospels just talked about, that Jesus just said, you know, John came to baptize for forgiveness of sins with water, but now you're going to be filled with something else. What happens on the altar at every Mass? The the epiclesis, you know, where the Holy Spirit comes over the bread and wine, and, and, and now Christ comes right into those elements, right, of bread and wine. What happens? We, we open up our hearts, and we're cleaned, we're ready to go, and we, we offer everything on that altar with Christ, and, and we join him in the Eucharist. He pours himself out. He takes that one-time uh, historical event of the passion, death, and the resurrection, and that power, and he brings it all the way through history in that Eucharist. He pours that out to us. We become one with God himself. Huh? Hey, God bless you. Keep me in your prayers. I'll keep you in mind. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you.